and friends together, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, may only your word be spoken, your word heard, and your word lived. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I think it's impossible for us to listen to today's gospel reading and not think of Psalm 23. You know, this uh, idea of the shepherd caring for us, I think it really runs deep in our hearts and our minds. You know, I don't think uh, anyone would be exaggerating if we said that Psalm 23 is probably the most well-known psalm. In fact, the most well-known passage of scripture. Uh, This was the first psalm that I ever learned by heart. Uh, I remember my grandma uh, sharing it with me. Uh, she shared it to me in, in Spanish, of course, and I loved it. Uh, so when I hear it read, when I reflect on it, it uh, reminds me of my grandma, my abue. And it reminds me of her, her love, her care, her making me tons of apple pies, which are so delicious. And, but it really reminds me of uh, being cared for and being safe. Now, I think that many of us have this kind of connection with Psalm 23. Uh, I think it touches us so deeply because it gives voice to a longing that we all have, a longing to be cared for and to be safe. And so when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, it really touches us. And yet it's also very easy to miss the significance of what Jesus is saying. Uh, for some of us, the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd is, uh, is very old and comfortable. And so you might be wondering, well, yeah, uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. I agree with that. Um, what more can we say? I'm comforted. So if that's you, or maybe if you're thinking of this for the first time, I want you to consider what it means to incorporate the shepherdness of Jesus into your understanding of God. I mean, how do we do that? How do we incorporate shepherdness into our understanding of God, of Jesus, the good shepherd? How do we let this truth shape our lives? Well, we need to, do, uh, we need to understand two things, uh, what it means to be a sheep and what it means for him to be a shepherd. So let's talk about sheep. Now, first, we need to rip a bandaid off of this one. Uh, Being a sheep is definitely not a compliment, especially in the ancient Near East. Uh, Sheep were notorious for being incredibly dumb. Uh, This week, I was reading about a cast sheep. I'm not sure if you know about this. Uh, A cast sheep is a sheep that has fallen and can't get up. So what happens is that apparently a sheep can sleep on uneven ground, and then as they're sleeping, they roll over. Uh, But when when they wake up, they just, they can't get up. Now, apparently this is a terrifying sight for a shepherd because if a sheep is found this way, likely they're already dead. Now, I can't imagine a better example of complete helplessness than an animal that can't even sleep right. And the ancients, they they knew this about sheep. They knew that if you released a dog or a horse into the wild, well, uh, likely they'd make it on their ability or their wits and they'd become wild dogs or, or wild horses. But there aren't really wild sheep. 
right? Uh, they're just too dumb. They'd be walking around thinking, well, where's my supper? Where's my shepherd? What's going on here? And this gives us two insights, the sheer helplessness of the sheep and the commitment of the shepherd. You see, back then, a shepherd lived with the sheep. I mean, they had to. The sheep couldn't live without the shepherd. They, they need the shepherd for protection, for feeding, for picking them up when they rolled over. And so when we read Psalm 23 and it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We begin to see what the poet was indicating and what Jesus is talking about. You see, the poet writing the psalm is saying of God, God, you are everything to me. And Jesus is pointing out what is, that what was true for the poet is true for us. We need God to be everything to us. We need to come to a place where we say, I can't do anything without you, God. I can't live without you. Now, to be honest, as modern Western people, we hate everything about this. We are so invested in being capable and able that the thought of being so completely dependent is annoying, right? Although we like the sound of Psalm 23, we hate the truth of it. We like to think that we generally got things together, right? We mostly make the right choices. I mean, except if we're caught in a bind, then yeah, we might make up, we might fumble. So all we need is just a little bit of help, you know? We're definitely not like sheep, so in complete need of assistance, we're okay. And yet, there's something I know is true of all of us. If I could get, I want you to imagine this, if I could get a little uh, time machine and go back to uh, back 10 years and talk to your 10 years ago self, and if I was able to sit down with, uh, with you and say, okay, listen, let me tell you all the foolish and wicked things you're going to get up to in the next 10 years. And then I gave your 10 years ago self an absolute accurate record of what was going to happen. What would your 10 years ago self say to me? My gut says that you'd say to me, whoa, what, who do you think I am? I'd never do such a thing but I'm inviting us to be honest. Just look at what we've done. You and I, all of us, we need a shepherd. And we need to admit that. And yet, admitting it isn't enough. Because we can admit all kinds of things and not do them. We know that we should floss regularly, and yet we don't. We know that we should avoid certain foods, and yet we don't. We know that we should be more assiduous in our physical distancing, and yet we don't. You know? So it's obvious that it's one thing to admit the truth, and it's quite another to moment by moment practice the truth. And so the question is, are you treating God as shepherd or as a consultant? Because those are two very different things. To treat God as shepherd means to depend on God completely, consistently, and joyfully. Now let's take a look at those three. 
First, to depend on God completely means you can't compartmentalize your life. You can't let God in one area of your life, but deny God in other areas of your life. And let me give you an example. Uh, you know, one of the most common attitudes that I came across uh, during my years of youth ministry, uh, a teen would say something like this. Well, yeah, I want to follow God, but I'm also a teenager. Now is my time to make my mistakes. Now, practically, this meant that they would yeah, they'd come to the youth nights and they would sing the songs. And they would volunteer at the youth nights. They might even volunteer on Sunday services, but they weren't going to set proper uh, sexual boundaries with their girlfriend or boyfriend. They wouldn't set proper boundaries around drinking, let's say, uh, and they wouldn't admit their faith to their friends. Now, I'm not trying to pick on teenagers. The, the fact is, if we're honest, this applies to more than just teens. It's essential that you and I, that we don't keep the shepherd out of areas of our life. We need to depend on God completely. And that means listening to God on every matter and issue in our lives. There's this little exercise that I learned this week. I just learned it and I wanna encourage us to try it out. And this is what it looks like. Uh, you take a pen and paper and you write down uh, all your convictions, convictions, right? Your beliefs, your attitudes around uh, politics, uh, social, sexual, professional, financial, right? Your ideas about family, uh, recreational. I mean, your thought life, every single area of your life, you write it down. And then you ask yourself two questions. One, am I willing to obey everything I know God wants me to do in this area? And secondly, am I willing to thank him for whatever he's bringing into this area? Now, if you can't say yes to those questions and you're denying his shepherding, you're denying the guidance of Jesus. You know, as I was writing this week, I was, uh, the prophet Elijah came to mind. And in case you don't know, Elijah, he's a major player in the Bible. He's a major character. He did a ton of miracles. I mean, he's up there with Moses as a hero of the faith, as a hero of the Bible. And uh, his life story goes, on the last day of his life, which he knew about, he knew that it was the last day of his life, he went to a town, it's called Bethel, and then he preached. And then he went uh, to another town called Jericho, and then again, he preached. And I've never really thought much about uh, that before, but then in reflecting on this uh, writing this week, it really jumped out. Because the crazy and the scary thing is that Elijah so practiced the presence of the shepherd that he was considering his shepherd in every area of his life. Uh, he was the use of his time, uh, his priorities, his thought life. Elijah was so in tune with the shepherd in every area of his life that it didn't change a thing. His day didn't change at all, knowing that that day would be the last day of his life. He didn't change a thing. I wanna invite you and me to measure ourselves up against that standard. On the day that you have to die, will there be anything to do but die? Or will there be regrets where we didn't follow the shepherd the way we knew we should have? I want us to be sure, like Elijah, that on the day that we die, there's nothing else to do but die. And therefore, to practice Jesus as a shepherd means to depend on him 
completely. Now, to depend on God consistently means every moment of every day you're reaching out to God. You know, when I first visited my family in Guatemala, my parents made sure that I dressed down. And what that meant was that I couldn't wear my, my flashy American clothes because then it would make me look like a tourist, which I actually was. And if I looked like a tourist, well, then I'd be very muggable. And so it was dangerous. And the rules were that if I went out and about, I had to go with my cousins. I had to go with family. I could never go alone um, because it was very serious at that time. And I think maybe even now, um, Guatemala could be very dangerous. Now, it's, if you had those kind of rules, you think, oh, how constricting, how, uh, how frustrating and annoying. But the fact is that the, the more dependent I was on my parents' advice, more dependent on my local family, my cousins, uh, actually the better I was doing. I was able to get around more. Uh, I was safer from danger. I was, in fact, I experienced more of the beauty of that country because moment by moment, I was dependent. I was in need of help. And I knew that every step of the way. This is the kind of dependence that Jesus is talking about. And by the way, I'm sharing this as, as someone who also needs to hear this. Um, this is the kind of dependence that actually sets us free. Because the fact is that St. Paul got it right when he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And he says that because he knows that if you're living like a sheep, moment by moment, depending on Jesus, there's actually no end to the great things that you can do. I mean, if you practice this kind of dependence at every moment in the day, you know, moment, moment by moment, you're crying out to God, you're praying to God, you're just talking to him, you're running things by him, well, you're going to flourish. You know, one little exercise you can use if you're really uh, getting serious about depending on God consistently is you make a list about five or six uh, temptations you're probably going to come across during your day. So like, you got to think ahead about your day and you think to yourself, okay, where, when and where am I most likely to get grumpy? Uh, where am I most likely to be disappointed? Or like what temptations are coming up? And then you reach out to your shepherd, you cry out, you pray. I mean, during the day, and especially when you're approaching one of those moments, right? It's, it'll go something like this. When someone's frustrating you, when someone's aggravating you, you say, you reach out to the shepherd and you say, dear shepherd, I know that I am more frustrating and I'm more aggravating to you than this person is to me. Help me remember that, that because of what you've done, let me be patient. And finally, to depend on God joyfully means to depend on God because you want to, not because you have to. Now, this one's a little tough, especially in our culture, where a kind of rebellious independence is more of a virtue than a vice. But the fact is that God, uh, he desires a joyful dependence. Right? He's not interested in us being grumpy sheep. But the fact is, some of us do live this way. We, I mean, we follow the rules, and I mean, they're a burden to us, but then we tell ourselves, well, you know, this is the way that I get to heaven. You know, a major joy of mine is actually uh, watching, raising my little girl and, and seeing her learn something. And she's only four years old, so 
so much of what she does is, is new. She's doing it for the first time. Now, an old friend of mine pointed out a while back that in the world, we'll find children who are math geniuses. Uh, we'll find children who are science geniuses, but we'll never find a child who is a moral genius. And that we won't find that kind of child because morals, you know, an understanding of right and wrong is hard earned. You learn it over time through, uh, through experience, right? And so, you know, if you've had kids or if you have kids, there's nothing harder to teach them than to do good for its own sake, right? I mean, I can always encourage, uh, I can ha hold a carrot in front of my little girl to have her do some good thing. But the truth is, I don't want her simply to do good so that she can get a piece of chocolate or to watch Frozen again, God help us. I want her to do good because she knows what is good and she loves doing good. I mean, that's what I, I want her to grow up to be a person that loves doing good for its own sake. I mean, that's tough enough to teach anyone, especially a little one. And yet, sometimes I see the sparkle of her love for goodness for its own sake, and that's when my heart explodes. I mean, she knows, for example, that my wife loves blueberries. And so if my little girl has blueberries and she's coming to the end of it, she'll share her last blueberries with my wife because she wants my wife to be happy. And that's goodness. And then I see her do that and I smile and then she sees my smile and then she wiggles and then she smiles. My smile brings her joy. And I see her, I see her uh, learning and hunting to do good things. Um, and there's some things that she does now that are good. Um, and she just doesn't, doesn't because she has become the kind of person that does those things. And that's the best. Now, this joy that wells up in me as a dad, um, and my girl's joy at seeing my joy, that's like what God has in mind when he calls for our joyful dependence. I mean, many of us, I think, obey God or depend on God as a king or as a ruler or as a, a teacher. And, and I mean, those are important, no doubt. But the only way that you're going to follow God joyfully is if you depend on God as a shepherd. When you, when you depend on God as a shepherd, that's going to bring the joy as you follow God. And here's why. You see, Jesus points out that he isn't a hired shepherd. You see, because a hired shepherd runs away when the wolves come, but Jesus owns a sheep. And that's huge. I mean, in the ancient Near East, if you owned the sheep, uh, they were your treasure and therefore your joy. And that's why Jesus says that he lays down his life for his sheep because they mean everything to him. Now here I want to be a little careful because, I mean, we understand that an owner of a sheep literally needs the sheep in order to live. And I'm not saying that God needs us in that way. God is perfect without us. But here we see the depths of the love of God. God has chosen to bind his joy in us. He chooses to have his joy depend on us. I mean, isn't that incredible? I mean, I want you to think about this. When your kid gets a school award or is recognized for doing something really cool or amazing, doesn't your heart just explode in joy? And that's because when your child is being praised and awarded, essentially what's happening is they're being glorified. 
And when the child's being glorified, so is the parent. In essence, the child that's being recognized or receiving the award is pointing out, I'm like this because my parent is like this. There's a connection. I mean, just consider when your kid does something that just isn't right. I mean, the shame of the child can be seen on the face of the parents as well because there is a connection. The parent wants the best for the child and wants them to love goodness for its own sake because the parent loves the child. God, the shepherd, loves you, wants the best for you, and is shattered when you and I do things that ultimately harm us. When we recognize this, that this is the love of God, the willful binding of God's joy in us, that's the only motivation we need as sheep to follow him joyfully. My friends, when we seek after God and we're wanting to see God's smile on God's face, that desire will transform us into people who truly follow God, who love others, not because uh, they're useful to us, but because they're loved by God for their own sake. And that brings up joy. Now, let me end with this. Let me end with some, the comfort that we find here because the shepherd is so full of hope and love for you. I want you to remember that Jesus says he's not a hired shepherd, but as the owner, he lays, uh, he voluntarily lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus says, I know my sheep and I lay down my life for them. I know my sheep. Do you know what this means? This is so beautiful. Jesus, the shepherd, knows you completely. There is nothing that you have done or will do that will surprise him. He already knows you all the way down, and he has decided, he's chosen to give his life for you. You know, there's a story of, um, of a Russian soldier who got to some serious debt. Uh, he couldn't pay it back, and so he decided to end his life. Uh, but before he did that, he decided to drink for the courage. Uh, but what happened is he drank so much that he actually just passed out. And as the story goes, uh, the, the czar walked in and saw the soldier's debt book, saw the drink, saw the weaponry. He sort of made the math. He knew what he was going to do. And so he uh, left him a note that said, I will make good on your debt. And then a while later, the soldier comes, uh, wakes up, and then he sees the note. He reads it. And then he says, he has seen my heart and seen my sin to the bottom, and he still will redeem me. That's what Jesus is saying to us, to you and to me. Jesus is saying that you have a shepherd who knows you all the way down and loves you. He loves you. He gives his life for you. Even though we're foolish sheep with our bitternesses and our petty rivalries, our doubt of God and God's goodness, our reliance on other things and other wisdoms instead of Jesus. He knows all that. He knows us and he dies for us. 
I mean, anyone could go up to Jesus and ask, Jesus, you are an amazing shepherd. Why would you ever give your life for these silly sheep? And yet Jesus says, yes, they're foolish. Yes, they can be rebellious, but they're my sheep and I give my life and my glory for them. This is the reason for my joy. This is why I love, I love them despite their rebelliousness and the wrongdoings. I love them and I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the son of God, God himself. And he lays down his life for you so that no one can snatch you out of his hands if you run into his arms. If you're trusting Jesus, no one can take you away from him. No one can take you from the love of God. So what, so what are you going to do? When are you going to relax? When are you going to trust in Jesus alone? When are you going to realize that Jesus is this type of God? My friends, you and I, we're not earning anything with our so-called good behavior or with spiritual mysteries or spiritual experiences. The love of God is offered to us by the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. It's a gift. All we need to do to accept it is to trust in Jesus and only Jesus. You know, I'll never forget a time in my life when I was a newer Christian, but I was living a life in ways that made me hate myself. And God brought an amazing older Christian man into my life. And he listened to my confession, to all the things that I was doing that I just regretted. And he, you know what? He didn't judge me. Uh, he, he said to me, Seth, if you hadn't done all those things, do you think that Jesus would love you more? Of course, I've been a Christian long enough to know the Sunday school answer. The answer was no. I knew that. But right then, it was like I was hearing it for the first time. And it changed my life. So I want to say to you today, God knows you all the way down. He knows your whole life. And he loves you. Go to him. Put your trust in him. Don't forget that. My friends, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, the Good Shepherd. And we're sorry for all the times that we act like silly sheep. And we're so grateful that even though we can be willfully rebellious and just do things that harm ourselves and that hurt your heart, we're so grateful that you love us and you never give up on us and you care for us, that you are the good shepherd. Help us to uh, trust